Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to be diving into the power of encouragement, choosing kindness over criticism. Kindness is something that is so overlooked because it seems like a maybe a preschool word or something that you learn in Sunday school from when you're a little kid. But think about Proverbs 31, 26. There's an attribute of godly womanhood, which is the law of kindness is on her tongue. And I'm so fascinated by that verse because it clearly shows us that the words we speak are so important and they should be marked by kindness instead of criticism. And I think that a lot of us as women can so easily fall into that trap of criticizing others, being hard on other people, gossiping about other people without even really thinking about it, or even just being rude to our own family members, how it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is not rude. And that seems so elementary. And yet how often do we just let those rude or unkind words slip out of our mouths when we're around our family members and people who maybe are irritating us or doing something that we don't really approve of or getting under our skin. Maybe it's a roommate and you're just kind of in each other's space. It's so easy to let that unkindness and that rudeness take over and kind of shrug it off as if it's not really a big deal to God. But really, is there ever a place for rudeness in the Christian's life? Sometimes I think we feel like criticism or rude comments towards others are really justified because maybe we see weaknesses in their lives. We see things that are not right. We see sin, and we want to point that out. But oftentimes we point that out in a very unkind way. It says in James 1.20, the wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That is such a great reminder because when we are delivering truth, but we're doing it in a rude, unkind, harsh, critical way that does not reflect God's nature, it actually will not produce the righteousness of God in someone's life. You can be lecturing them on their sin and their problems and how they need to change. You can be using a lot of scripture, but if you're using fleshly anger and unkindness and rudeness, you're actually going to have the opposite effect that maybe you're wanting to have in their life. On the flip side, encouragement and kindness can change another person's life forever. I've maybe shared the story before on this podcast. When I was in third grade, there was a a little girl in my school who was constantly being treated rudely by the other students. And my mom encouraged me to really reach out to her and show kindness to her, even when nobody else was willing to do that. And she said, you're going to change her life if just even one person shows her kindness. And I was sort of afraid socially of what that might mean for me. But because she was encouraging me to do that, I took some steps of reaching out to this girl and speaking kind words to her and about her when people would start to criticize her. And gradually, it it really did change the way people treated her that year in third grade. And after third grade ended, we moved on and I kind of lost touch with her. When we were about maybe 16 years old, I had moved to a different state and completely lost track of this girl. But she wrote me a letter. Somehow she tracked me down, found my name, wrote me a letter and told me how the kind words that I spoke in third grade changed her life and it changed the whole entire course of the rest of her life. And I was absolutely shocked to realize my mom had been right, just showing that kindness, just going out of my way to encourage and speak um, positive words instead of negative words to this girl really did make an eternal impact on her. 
I've definitely not always excelled in this area because I'm more of an introvert and I don't just naturally find myself bubbling over with kind, encouraging words to share with other people. Really, it's an effort for me, but it's something that I've really wanted to become as purposeful about as possible, especially in light of that verse in Proverbs 31, the law of kindness is on her tongue. And that is my prayer and my goal when I'm with my children, my family, and other people that I encounter that they would really experience that law of kindness in the words that I speak. There is a really inspiring quote that I read in one of Amy Carmichael's books. She's quoting Galatians 5.22, and she says, The Spirit brings a harvest of love, joy, peace, and patience towards others. And then she writes, Is it not a strength to remember when we feel our patience wearing thin, that patience towards others is a gift to be had? We can easily get to the end of our own patience, but not to the end of God's. One of my dearest friends wrote these words in a beautiful poem. Anoint mine eyes with eye salve, mighty Savior, as through this wonder world of thine I stray. Let not in my soul's gesture or behavior obstruct sweet glimpses of thyself today. And then she continues, if we pray that prayer truly, we shall not by little acts of careless rudeness make it harder for others to see the Lord Jesus. And if anyone is inclined to think that rudeness and honesty run together, I will tell you what I have found. The strongest, bravest, truest people I ever knew were or are the most gentle mannered. Good manners are not among the things that do not matter. Can we imagine our Lord Jesus ever being rude? And that's from a book called Thou Givest, They Gather, and just really, really convicting and inspiring to realize that we can make a decision in how we act and the words that we speak to reflect Christ or to obstruct the ability of other people to see Christ in and through us. So it should be our goal by God's grace to have that law of kindness, not rudeness on our tongue, no matter who we are dealing with. And it takes a lot of godly character and maturity to control our words around difficult people. Sometimes we think that you know, we're really doing something good when we just spew out these well-chosen angry words and harsh lectures, but really it takes a lot more maturity and godly self-control to hold our tongue and not speak unless we can speak in a kind and Christ-like way. One of the things that can be confusing when it comes to really understanding how to speak with the law of kindness on our tongue is how do we confront sin and error in someone's life in a kind non-rude way. And that can be really difficult because so often we see problems in someone's life and it makes us angry. When I first began to really be serious about my Christianity, I had to learn that it needed to be first and foremost my life and my character that would be a testimony to others rather than just my words, rather than just giving a lot of eloquent speeches to the people who are watching my life, that I needed to live before them in such a way that they would be inspired and intrigued rather than just impressed with maybe what I was saying. They needed to see me actually live it. And I remember one time a friend of mine made a casual comment about why I wasn't just dating around and jumping into relationships like everybody else in our circle of friends was doing. And I immediately jumped on a soapbox and started preaching to this girl for about 45 minutes about all the reasons why I believed that short-term flings were bad and sinful and what they lead to and all of the convictions that I had about it. In looking back, I could have just humbly said, well, here's 
why I have chosen to live that way and what God has done in my life in that area and just shared my own story in a kind and humble way. But instead, I became sort of like a passionate preacher getting on a soapbox, talking, you know, fire and brimstone to anybody who was dating and being in short term flings. And because I did not give a kind and humble response, I could see that she closed off to all the truth that I was trying to share as well. A lot of us tend to rush headlong into a situation like this with passion and anger, and we try to become another person's conscience rather than working in cooperation with the Spirit of God and let Him be the one to open their eyes to truth. We've all heard that classic statement, preach Christ at all times and if necessary, use words. And that was really instrumental in showing me that my approach to confronting sin in other people's lives needed to be really backed up by my life and not just by my words. And Proverbs 17, 27 talks about a person of wisdom using few words. There is a time and a place for well-chosen words of truth and even for righteous indignation when we're defending truth. But we have to remember that it's not going to be rude, angry, unkind words that are ever going to win people to Jesus. Even if you make a compelling argument, it can never take the place of a Christ-like consistent example with your life. And I had to learn that, and it really wasn't until I began to learn that gentle, humble, kind response, and just letting my life be the testimony for the most part, um, instead of just my words, that I really began to make an impact in other people's lives. So keep that in mind when you're thinking of, you know, how do I communicate truth? How do I help this person awaken out of their selfish, sinful stupor? That oftentimes God wants you to keep silent and to just simply live a consistent example. And when you do have an opportunity to speak, to do so with humility and kindness. And again, it takes a lot of godly self-control to choose that path rather than rushing in there with your human anger and frustration. Another really key point is prayer. And I know I've talked about this in in many other episodes, but prayer is a far more powerful weapon than human words will ever be. And there are so many, so many promises in scripture about praying boldly, praying consistently, and watching God do a miracle in someone's life. And so it really reminds us that he's the one who changes lives. And when we pray and we put prayer as a high priority, we can watch the spirit of God softening their heart and even opening doors to communicate truth to them that were not open before. So I would encourage you, if you have people in your life that are not responsive to truth, never give up and continue to pray for them. I love this quote from Amy Carmichael from her book, If. She said, if in dealing with one who does not respond, I weary of the strain and slip from under the burden that I know nothing of Calvary love. Basically, what she's saying is Jesus didn't give up in his fight for us, and we shouldn't give up in our fight for those around us. So, of course, in addition to prayer, we've talked about setting an example. And in 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says, set an example for the believers in speech, in love, in life, in faith, and in purity. So that's just a great reminder of what we've been talking about. If our lives are going to make an impact on others, they have to not just hear about our convictions, but see those convictions lived out. 
And I would also really encourage you to embrace the law of kindness and have a humble attitude. There's a scripture that says, what do you have that you have not been given? And it's such an important thing to keep in mind that, you know, we may be farther along in our Christianity or our spiritual journey than someone around us, but that is only by the grace of God. We don't have anything that we came up with because of our own brilliance or because of our own merit. It's this amazing grace of God, the gift of God, um, that he basically lifted us uh, as beggars out of the dung heap, as it says in the Old Testament, and set us among princes and made us inherit the throne of glory. I mean, that is just incredible, but it's only an act of God, not an act of anything that we have done. And so it's really important for us to keep that in mind. What do we have that we have not been given? Meekness is a, is a really important word in scripture, and it actually means a mildness of disposition, a gentleness of spirit. And that is really the opposite of pride and arrogance. It says in 1 Peter 3, we are to speak about the hope that we have with meekness and fear. So often we have sort of like a spiritual pride. And when we communicate about the hope that we have, we do it in a prideful, self-righteous way. No one is going to respond to that. When we have spiritual pride, instead of kindness, instead of humility, we actually are going to stand in the way of someone responding to truth and stand in the way of the spirit of God drawing someone to himself. So resist that temptation to lecture people, yell at people, storm out of the room, give them the silent treatment when they're not acting the way that you want them to. It says in Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. And that is always a safe path to take. I want to give you some ways that you can exchange criticism for kindness and encouragement. Because like I said at the beginning of this episode, as women, I think we can treat this area very casually, especially with people that we're familiar with and comfortable with. Maybe it's a spouse, a roommate, a good friend, a sibling, a relative, a child, somebody that we're that we're around all the time. We see their weaknesses. We also need to remember that they see our weaknesses too. So often we can just you know, have the plank in our own eye, try to get the speck out of somebody else's. But this is not a light thing to God. Love, godly love is not rude. And to be a godly woman, we need to say, Lord, I want you to give me the law of kindness, that the words I would speak would emulate kindness. Even if you are dealing with a tough issue or confronting someone or correcting someone's behavior, it can be done with the law of kindness. If you have a burden for someone in your life, I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. God doesn't give us discernment so that we may criticize, but so that we may intercede. What a great reminder. We so often get a burden for someone or discernment as to what's wrong in their life, but it's not a license for criticism. It's so that we can pray and intercede. God's given us that burden for a reason, not so that we can just take matters into our own hands and find an outlet for our anger or our pride, but so that we can faithfully pray for that person, consistently love them, and speak words of truth when the door opens in the meekness and kindness and attitude of Jesus Christ. Remember, you're not the one who can bring about a change in someone's life. Only God can do that. So work in cooperation with his spirit and discover that amazing joy of seeing a soul awaken and respond to his life-changing truth. 
Another key way that you can choose encouragement and kindness instead of criticism is learning how to bring your emotions under the control of God's spirit. We've talked about this in other episodes, but as women, we are so prone to letting our emotions lead us rather than letting truth lead us. When you are led by hurt and anger and frustration and whatever it is, depression, those emotions that get out of control, you are so much more likely to spew out rude, critical words that you're going to regret later on. So I would encourage you to submit your emotions to the Spirit of God and say, Lord, I want your truth to lead me. I want to put emotions in their place. doesn't mean emotions are wrong, but they shouldn't be the one leading the way in your actions and your words and your decisions. One of the things that helps me in a time when I'm feeling a lot of strong emotions about something is to ask a different question, not how do I feel about this, but what does God say about this? I might be angry. I might be hurt. I might be disillusioned with something or someone, but to go to the word of God and say, Lord, what do you say? say about this and meditate on his answer and his promise rather than just tapping into my own emotions and trying to process them. Because when I give my emotions a stage, it is really the recipe for disaster. I'm going to end up bringing a lot of tension and turmoil into the relationships around me when I let my emotions take control. Another practical suggestion is to purposely dedicate your tongue and your words to God's purposes. This is one of the biggest areas in our lives where we need godly self-control. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, we know that verse, is love, joy, peace, patience. But one of the ones we often overlook is self-control. And it really means that by the power of God's spirit, we can bring that selfish, fleshly part of us that wants its own way, wants its own agenda under the control of the spirit of God. Self does not need to control us anymore. And so when it comes to your words, don't just let your words have a mind of their own. Don't just let them fly out of your mouth. Whatever you think, you just let it fly. Practice that godly self-control. If that's something that you struggle with, ask for God's grace and say, Lord, this is an area that I want to grow in. Give me the self-control to say no to that desire to spew words out without really thinking about them and without really lining them up with your truth. So make that decision. I'm going to dedicate my tongue and my words to the purposes of God rather than just letting my words fly and have their own agenda. Meditate on the things that you appreciate about these people that you're struggling with, because usually there are some things that you do appreciate about them, but so often that the weaknesses that you see are so glaring that that's all you think about. To purposely choose to take some time and say, what do I appreciate about them? What has God worked in their life? Or what qualities do they have that are really positive and really beneficial? And I remember one time a girl was telling me that she had a really hard time thinking of any good qualities in her father because he was not a godly man. He was um, causing a lot of trouble in their family. And she really asked God to show her, Lord, you know, what is it that I can appreciate about him and encourage him with? And she landed on the fact that he had always been a good provider for their family. He had failed in a lot of other areas, but that was one thing he had done well was be a great provider and work hard for his family. So she began to actually encourage him with how he had been a great provider. And it was beautiful to see that just that little simple encouragement opened his heart 
um, and allowed him to be so much more responsive to building a relationship with her and eventually hear truth spoken in a loving way. So don't underestimate those simple words of kindness, even if you have to pray and say, God, show me what is it of value in their life that I can draw to the surface and encourage them with? It's amazing how just a few simple words of kindness can really open their heart to want to grow in other areas of their lives. Look for ways that you can encourage them. Even like I said, if it seems to be a small area, look for those glimmers of hope in their life. Encourage those things. And more often than not, it will cause them to want to foster those areas of their lives. Also, as a reminder, remember how much you have been forgiven. Remember how much you need the grace of God to live an upright life. And don't fall prey to that spiritual pride because really uh, all of us are in the same boat of being controlled by sin and in desperate need of a savior. So when you remember how much you've been loved and how much you've been forgiven, it helps you extend that same grace to other people. So I hope these tips have encouraged you to make a decision to choose kindness and encouragement over criticism and harshness. And I encourage you to take this area of your life before God and let him show you the specific relationships and situations in which he can work that law of kindness to be on your tongue at all times. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into a Christ-centered life in practical areas of set-apart living, I encourage you to visit our website at setapartgirl.com. We have a bi-monthly magazine and loads of other resources that can help you live a Christ-centered life. Have a blessed week.